Welcome to Daily Living. My name is Shirley. And here on Daily Living, we focus on our daily walk with Christ. I will sometime, or I should say I personally, refer myself as an FOC or a follower of Christ. And to break it down just a little bit, It means that I strive to live my life according to the Holy Spirit's teaching of the scriptures and not by man's doctrine. So that means what the Bible says is what I do. I don't go by what the man's religion or philosophy. I go by what the Bible says. And in order to do that, you have to read the Bible. If you are listening today and you are a babe in Christ or you're a Christian and you want to go deeper in Christ, you want to have a closer relationship with him. It is possible and it's a beautiful thing. Or you've lost your way. It happens. You lost your way. You fumbled. You're a prodigal and you want to come back to God. Or maybe you don't know God at all and you know that there's something missing on the inside of you in your heart, inside your soul. You know something is missing and everything else that you've tried just hasn't been working. If that's you, then you are in the right place. I pray that God uses me as a vessel to lead you to Jesus Christ. Amen. As a Christian, we know that our the overall foundation of our walk with Christ is faith. We have to have faith. There's like no way around it. We have to have faith. The Bible tells us in Hebrews 11:6 which states but without faith it is impossible to please him and by him it means god without faith it is impossible to please god so if we want to get closer with god if we want to have a deeper walk with god then we have to have faith there's no other way around it But do you really believe all that the Bible teaches us? When you are faced with challenges, do you believe that God can help you in your situation? Can God really deliver you from any virus or disease? Can he deliver you from your financial situation or any family situation, legal situation that you may be going through right now, loss of family members, relatives, friends, spouses, children, can he deliver you? Can he comfort you? So in today's episode, we are going to look a little bit closer at the faith walk.
of a Christian. We want to look at what does that look like? We're going to use some examples from the Old Testament and also a beautiful testament from a Christian living in today's time. Because I believe that it is really important to understand what walking by faith really means. Sometimes we get used to saying things a lot. We say verses, but we need to start learning not only to memorize verses, not only to say these verses, but to also apply them in our daily walk. How can I use this verse in my life? How can I use this verse in my situation right now? How, what does that look like for me? What is God telling me regarding whatever challenges that I'm going through? And that's the beauty. That's the beauty of God. Because he has a word for every one of you. For every one of your situations. If you would first seek him. And you will believe what he said that he's going to do. Amen. What a wonderful God that we serve. What a wonderful God that we serve. There are many of us. That could have been in different situations. And there's been a lot of people that have been going through some challenges. But yet, he has continued to sustain you. What a wonderful, faithful God that we serve. So, in this season... This season that we are in, in a season of pandemic, a season of worry, a season of fear, what we really see if we step back, we really have been tested. The faith of the church as a whole have been tested. The question is, Are you going to stand on the word of God? Is God's word the authority, the driving force behind your decisions? You know, in every one of our lives, we have some type of influence. What one of my classes called the authority okay the final authority of your life for some of us it's our spouses for some it's your children for some it's your peers for some it's the news media so whatever you get from them it's the final authority in your life You know, whatever that particular person or a best friend or a cousin, an uncle, somebody that, you know, you value their opinion, you value um, their feedback. And that person, even if you 
are thinking one way, that person tells you, well, you know what? I don't really see it this way. I think you should do this. And their opinion is is the final authority in your life. For a lot of us, we have become accustomed to counting externally. But I'm telling you today that we as Christians need to have the Bible as the final authority in our lives. Not our siblings, not our our significant other, not, you know, the news or peers or uncle, auntie, whoever you value their opinion. You can still value their opinion, but your final authority, what causes you to move or stand still should always be the word of God, scripture. And I feel like this season, the church has been tested. Our faith has been tested. Do we believe what the Bible says? Do we believe that God can really do all that he says that he could do? Do we really believe it? So the question today is, where is your faith? Do you have more faith in man's ability to save you or in Christ? The Bible describes faith in Hebrews 11.1 and the NIV version, which reads, Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. I'm going to read it again. It is the confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. Now, I want to go over a few other translations. When we are reading the word of God, it's always important to get other translations. The reason for that is there's always a lot of times the the they're they're using different words, okay, or they may explain it or say it differently and it will help you to better understand what God is telling us about faith, right? So the amplified version reads this way. Now faith is the assurance, in parentheses, it has title deed, confirmation of things hoped for, divinely guaranteed. So the things that are hoped for are divinely guaranteed and the evidence of things not seen, the conviction of their reality. Faith comprehends as fact what we cannot be experienced by the physical senses. Faith comprehends as fact what cannot be experienced by the physical senses. So I like this translation. The amplified version is a really um, good version. Um, So again, it says, now faith is the assurance. It is the confirmation of something that is divinely guaranteed. It is real. And And then afterwards it says, faith comprehends as fact. It is factual 
what cannot be experienced by the physical sense. So even if we can't see it, as Christians, we see it as factual because God said it. And if he said it, he is not a man that he will lie. If he said it, then it's going to be. It may not happen the way we think it's going to happen. It may not happen when we think it's going to happen. But if he said it's going to happen, then it's going to happen. That's walking by faith. Knowing that, you know what? I believe my God said that he is going to do it for me. And if he said it, then it shall shall be so. Amen? I have a couple more translations. The voice translation reads it like this. Faith is the assurance of things you have hoped for. The absolute conviction that they are realities you've never seen. They are realities. It is real. That is faith. The worldwide English translation says, if people believe God, then they know They have the things they hope for. They hope to get. It is the proof of things we do not see. So we know. I know. Shirley knows. You can say your name. You know. That you have the things that you've hoped. That you hope to get. It is the proof of things that we do not see. I may not see it right now. But I know that I've already received the things that I will get the things that I hope to get. I know it. Amen. And at last, the message translation says the fundamental fact of existence is that this trust in God, this faith is the firm foundation under everything that makes life worth living. It is our handle on what we can't see. The act of faith is what distinguished our ancestors, set them above the crowd. It is the very foundation of our lives. Faith. It is the reason, it is what makes life worth living. And what, what, what is it about faith? We have faith in Christ. We know that Jesus, he died on the cross. He saved us from our sins and he resurrected on the third day. And when I surrender my life to him, I give him my life and now I can live. I can, I can um, reap all the benefits of eternal life. I can be with the Father. I can share with everything with Jesus Christ. But faith has both an active and a has a, a active and a passive sense. In the former meaning, meaning Old Testament, it meant fidelity trustworthiness and in the new testament it meant more like trust and reliance 
And when we look at the term fidelity, it's defined as the quality of being faithful or loyal. And this is what was um, expressed more in the Old Testament. So when we look at the word faith, it only appears 30 times in the Old Testament. But in the New Testament, we see the word faith appearing 500 times. Yes, a total of 500 times. And the reason for that is when we look at the Old Testament, what we see, we see the examples of active faith. We see stories of Abraham and Noah. We see stories of these great men, Jacob. We see stories of um, of people that had that walk by faith and not by sight. In the New Testament, our faith is trusting in the person of Jesus Christ, the truth of his teaching, the redemption work he completed on Calvary, and a total commitment to Jesus as our Lord and Savior. This is where God says, you must pick up your cross. You have to be fully committed to him. So when we say that faith has both an active and a passive sense, first we have to believe. We have to believe that God, that Jesus is our Lord and Savior. We have to believe his teachings. We have to believe that he died on Calvary for our sins. We have to believe that. And second, if you really believe all that, it will manifest in your life with action. If you really believe that Jesus is your Lord and Savior, if you really believe the teachings of Christ, then you're going to act accordingly. You're going to try to live like Christ. It's going to, you're going like um, Galatians, like Paul explains, you're going to bear fruit. You can't bear fruit, not righteous fruit, if you do not have faith. So this is why true faith is always followed by actions. And that's what it meant it means by faith having both an active and a passive sense. So in the passive sense, we as Christians, we believe. We believe in Jesus Christ. We believe that he will come back. We believe that every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that he is Lord of Lords and Kings of Kings. We believe that. But because I believe, my life is going to look a certain way. There are certain things that I'm not going to be doing. There are certain things, worldly things that I'm not going to be doing. There are certain things, I'm not going to walk like the world. Because I know that even though I'm in the world, I'm not of it. So that means that whatever's going on out here, that's none of my business. Because I'm following whatever Christ tells me to do. Amen?
So a good story that I, I like to look at is the story of Noah. It is a great example of how we can apply these same principles in our walk with God every day. So I'm sure you guys know about the story of Noah. So I'm not going to go too much in details, but if you want to read it for yourself, you can find it in Genesis 6. This is where the story of Noah starts. God chooses Noah because he was a righteous man. And God tells Noah to build an ark and gives him exactly the exact dimensions of how to build, how, how big it's supposed to be, how tall it's supposed to be to build this ark. Now, Noah starts building this ark on dry land. But here's the thing. When Noah starts talking to the people around him, his neighbors and everybody else that he knew, everybody laughed at him. They ridiculed him. They thought he lost his mind. But do you know why? Because he was saying that it was going to rain. And back in those days, it never rained. So he's telling them that something was coming that they have never seen happen in the history of the earth. Up until the day of the flood, it had never rained on the earth. So Noah built an ark for a total of five years being ridiculed. Okay, people thinking that he's crazy for building this ark on dry land because Noah said God told him that it was going to rain and they themselves including Noah have never seen rain they don't even understand what that is water coming from the sky it didn't make any sense in their physical it didn't make any sense. Why would it? Why would water come from the sky? It doesn't come from the sky. Back then, the water rose from the ground. So why would it automatically just start opening, coming out from the sky? Noah's a great example of how somebody believed God and acted on it, build an ark. And when we try to understand what Noah actually did a good way is to there's this site that I found um it's called actually it's like a, a a theme park almost it's called the Ark Encounter now the Ark Encounter it features a full-size Noah's Ark exactly they followed exactly the examples of the Bible so it's it's um 510 feet long, 85 feet wide, and 51 feet high. It's a modern engineer marvel um, that marvels and amazes all type of visitors, and is currently located in Williamston, Kentucky, and it's halfway between Cincinnati and Lexington. It says um it's right off of I-75. Now this arc was completed in July 
of 2016. So a group of people decided that they wanted to build a life-size Noah's Ark. And I'll tell you, even though I've never been there myself, when I go on the site and you try to see people standing next to the ark, that's when you understand the magnitude of what Noah actually did. This wasn't no little, um, no little boat. Just to kind of give you some fun comparison on how wide and how huge, how massive that this ark actually was, is the width is the width of two school buses. That's how wide it is. The height is the height of three giraffes stacked up on top of each other. The length is one and a half football field. Okay, just to give you a little bit an idea of how big and wide this arc is. So this was no small feat. This is why it took him five years to build it. And the people that build um, the life-size Noah Ark now, they started building it in 2014. So it took them two years to complete it. That's how big it is. And this is how we are to walk. It don't have to make sense. It doesn't have to make sense to you. It doesn't have to make sense to your to the people around you. It doesn't have to make sense to anybody. If you know that God told you something and you know that God is not a man to lie, it doesn't matter what anybody else says. You walk by faith. You walk by faith. The word of God tells us that especially in this season that we are in, you know, where people are getting sick, you know, people are losing their jobs or they're not working or whatever the case may be. You know, the word of God says, I'm a child of God. The word of God says, I'm a new creation. I'm delivered from the power of darkness. That's what the, the word of God says. So why would we believe anything different? The word of God says that I'm led by the spirit of God. I'm doing all things through Christ who strengthens me. We are more than conquerors, beloved. We are above only and not beneath. In Jesus' mighty name. Why would we believe anything different? So today I want to share a really special testimony of um, a couple who were, who got pregnant and the doctor told them that they were having twins, a boy and a girl, which of course is super exciting news. And the husband believed he really believed that, you know, this was God. God told them that he was going to have twins and he believed it. And so, you know, as they were further along in their um, in the pregnancy, they went and had an ultrasound test done. And of course, with the ultrasound test, they want to check to make sure the babies are healthy 
and you know just make sure everything is okay and so but that day when they went to go check they told the they told um the couple that it looked like something was wrong with the boy and what they said was that there were fluids around the baby's head and usually when that happens it's not a good sign and so the solution or i should say um one of the options that they recommended for the couple was to abort the son and they said just so that the son doesn't affect on the girl so at least even though they they won't have two kids they'll at least have one and that was the doctor's recommendation the husband and the wife being a couple of faith and especially the husband he thanked the doctor and he told the doctor no i'm not going to have one kid i'm going to have two and he said but thank you for your recommendation but we will not be having an abortion and so from that moment on he said that he started to think to himself if god told me i was going to have two kids why would he change it now why would he tell me i'm only going to have one and so what did he decide to do he took his wife home that day and he told his wife that we're not going back to the doctor until the babies are born now you may be wondering why would he do that he has to go to the doctor he has to listen to the doctor and that's fine but this is a situation where this person is standing on the word of god god told him that he was going to have twins and so it didn't matter what the doctor said because he believed god and he was standing on that word he started to stand on his faith and not by what he saw it didn't matter what the doctor said he was going to stand on the fact that he was going to have two healthy kids and that was what he chose to believe now one of the reasons why he decided to not go back to the doctor is because the more he went to the doctor the more he would have had to face with negative seeds being planted in him and in his wife so sometimes we're in situations where or around people that you know that causes us to lose our faith so he knew that being around having to go back and them keep telling him like oh well the baby's not doing good that that wasn't going to do good for him it would have put him in a situation where he would have to fight harder for his faith so he decided that he was going to keep his peace and not go to the and not go to the doctor he was going to keep the peace of his wife and not go back to the doctor and on the day that he gave that his wife gave birth 
His wife gave birth to two healthy children. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Two healthy children. The kids are now 17 years old. They are active. There's nothing wrong with them. The son plays football. The daughter, the daughter is in gymnastic. There is absolutely nothing wrong with any of his children. But had he decided to believe man and not God, he would have only had one child. But God told him to. This is an example of just standing on faith. It doesn't matter what it looks like. I have another friend of mine. She was diagnosed with ovarian cancer. And although they told her she was sick, she said, I'm not sick. I'm healed in Jesus name. They told her, hey, you know, you're going to need chemo. She was like, I'm not doing any of that. I am healed in Jesus name. She held on to her faith. They told her, listen, you don't have much to live. She said, I am healed in Jesus name. I'm not doing any of the stuff that you're telling me to do. And because she stood on her faith, on her faith, she was like a plant, a tree <laughs> planted by streams of water, immovable. She was going to bear fruit in due season. And can I tell you this day right now, she is fully healed in Jesus mighty name, fully healed. The doctors are asking her, what did you do? What happened? How is it that you are cancer free now? You see, beloved, we as the church in this season that we are in right now, we have to live. We have to increase our faith. We have to stand on the word of God. We have to believe the teachings of Christ. And not only do we believe the teaching of Christ, we need to start walking by it because I believe what God told me. This is how I'm going to react to this situation because I believe that I'm healed. I'm not going to receive any negative um, diagnosis over my life. No, I refuse it. I'm healed in Jesus name. And this is not to say, and I, I just want to make sure that I'm being clear. Now, I'm not telling you not to listen to your doctor. What I'm saying is when you have a close relationship with God, when you are, have an intimate walk with Christ and God tells you something, then you need to walk by that. Because that word that he give you, that's life right there. If he said he's going to do it, even if it looks bad, even if you may still be going to the doctor, just still telling you, look, it's getting worse. It's not getting any better. Are you sure? But God told you you're healed. Then you need to walk by that. I'm healed. Because the enemy has a way of always planting these seeds of doubt in you after God gave you a word. See, he wants to steal that word. As I'm talking right now, I want to go into this one scripture because that's what the enemy does. He will come to try to steal that word from you. Okay, so I'm going to read Luke chapter 8, 
starting verse 12. Um, it says, Now, some seeds fell in the road. They are like the people who hear the word of God. Then the devil comes and take the word out of their hearts. He would not want them to believe and be saved. And this is what's, what the enemy does. He, the minute that he knows that we have a word or, um, you know, God gave us a word or he gave us a, a promise for something, the enemy comes to plant seeds of doubt because he wants to make sure that he's going to try to, you know, steal it from us. Okay. And this is what was happening. God gave this man of God a word. He gave him a word and said that you were going to have twins. And so when he went to the doctor, the enemy now trying to take away what God had already told him that he was going to get. And a lot of us, we just throw our hands up in the air and just let the enemy take what was rightfully ours. But this man said, no, no, I know what God gave me. I know what he said I was going to get. And he stood firm. And what he did not allow was for the enemy to plant seeds of doubt. Okay. Seeds of fear, seeds of anxiety. Because a lot of times when we are afraid, when we're anxious, we do not have soundness of mind. And so the moves that we do is not, is not the right move a lot of times. So had he allowed himself to be afraid or get emotional or be upset or any of that, then he would have allowed himself to make a, another decision. But instead, he decided to do what? Hold on to his peace. He held on to his peace and he sought the Lord. In his testimony, he said, but God, why would you tell me one thing and now you're telling me something totally different? We walk by faith and not by sight. It doesn't matter what it looks like. It doesn't matter that it has never rained before. If God said it's going to rain, then it's going to rain. It doesn't matter that the Red Sea has never parted before. If God said that he's going to create a way out, he said he's going to do it, it's going to happen. It doesn't matter that it has never rained manna in, in the desert before. It doesn't matter that water has never come out of a rock. But if God said he's going to do it, then he is going to do it we have to walk by faith and not by sight first corinthians chapters 3 verses 19 in the amplified bible version reads for the wisdom of this world is foolishness absurdity stupidity before god for it is written in scripture, he is the one who catches the wise and clever in their craftiness. The wisdom of man. When we walk according to our own wisdom, according to our own understanding, we are walking in foolishness to God. 
And the message version said it best. It says, don't fool yourself. Don't think that you can be wise merely by being relevant. Be God's fool. That's the path to true wisdom. What the world called smart, God calls stupid. It is written in scripture. We, when we walk according to God, we're called stupid. I can tell you right now, when that husband, that man of God, walked out of that hospital and told the doctor that he wasn't coming back, I bet you the doctor laughed, chuckled, and said, ha, these people, these uneducated people, these people are stupid. Well, I tell you right now, I'd rather be God's fool than be a fool of the world because I want the wisdom of God. Because the word of God says that the wisdom of man is foolishness. And the best part is God will use what the world called foolish to conform the wise in the world. Amen. So we have to have a childlike faith. We have to become like little children. And this was the example of this man of God. He had a childlike faith. He believed what God told him. It's just like you go talk to a, a child and you tell them, hey, you know what? Um, Santa is flying up in the sleigh with reindeers. They believe that. Why? Because they have childlike faith. Anything you tell a young kid, any made up story, they will believe it to be real. And God needs us to be like children. He needs us to have a childlike faith. He wants us to, you know, walk in obedience. He wants us to trust him. Because we have been in a habit where when we're going through something that, okay, you know, how can I take care of it? How can I handle? But how many of you, when you're faced with trouble, even if you're anxious, even if you're angry, even if you're going through your emotions, you're human. It happens. But how many of you fall down to your knees? And seek God. Fall down to your knees. And give it to God. You're like, Lord, I don't know what's going on around me right now. I don't know what's going on with my finances. I don't know what's going on at my job. But I surrender it to you. Because I know that you are a faithful God. I know that you said, your word says that you would never leave me nor forsake me. One time I was facing so many challenges at work. I didn't know if I was going to be able to make my bills. So I started to panic. Yes, I started to panic. But then I had a thought. And I was like, well, Lord, you have never failed me yet. Why am I worried? Everything I need 
Maybe not everything I want, but everything I need, you have always provided. I don't know how I'm able to do some of the things that I do. Because I know that he always provides for my needs. All of my needs and some of my wants. And sometimes he goes above and beyond what I want. We have to have a childlike faith. So Matthew's chapters 18 verses 3 reads and said, I assure you and most solemnly say to you, unless you repent, that is change your inner self, your old way of thinking, live, live change lives and become like children, trusting, humble and forgiving you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. This is why it is extremely important. Why does he say that? Why can't, why do we have to have a childlike faith? What I had to learn was part of being humble, humility come from being obedient to God. So that means when God tells you to do something, you do it. No questions asked. No, wait a minute, it don't make no sense. No, you just do it. And because you're walking, not according to your understanding, but you're doing what God tells you to do, you are walking in humility. Because you're not concerned with your thoughts, you're not concerned with yourself. You want to do the will of God. And so in the same manner, when you have, for those of you that have children, I have no kids, but for those of you that have children, when you tell your kid to do something, I'm talking about the, the younger ones, okay? The, the obedience, not the teenagers <laughs> that don't listen. But when you have your young children, when you tell them to do something, they just do it. When you cook, they, you know, they eat whatever you cook. Okay? If you tell them you're going out, you're getting dressed, hey, you know, they, they do what you tell them to do. They don't necessarily going to tell you, well, Ma, I don't want to do this. Or So he needs us to be like children. He needs us to just believe him. He needs us to be humble. He needs us to be trusting. You know, our kids, your kids trust you. They have no reason to doubt you. They know that you're going to feed them. They know that, you know, you're going to have a roof over their heads. They know that you're going to clothe them. You're going to protect them. You're going to take them here. You're going to take them there. You, you know, you, you might have to do some errands with them. They know and you take them to wherever you, you know, wherever you take them, they just trust you. And they're humble in that way. And we as the church need to be humble. We need to have faith. We need to trust God. We need to believe the teachings of Christ and we need to walk accordingly. So ask yourself when it comes to challenges to your body, to your mind, to your finances, in your family, where does your faith lie? Where does your faith lie? You know, my pastor um, said something 
even though we are um he gave us some recommendations of different vitamins that we should be taking but he said even though you're taking those vitamins your faith shouldn't be in the vitamins your faith should be in Christ and this is the new way of thinking that we need to train our minds that our way of thinking is we need to surrender everything to Christ. We need to put our faith not in man, not in the things that man could do, not in our hands. We can't really do anything. Everything happens according to God's will. We need to put our faith in Christ. It's the only hands that can protect you, that can save you, that can heal you, that can provide for you, that can comfort you. It's the only hands that can do that, that can give you joy, peace. Even when you're going through, that can give you peace. Only Christ can do that. So if today you realize that you've been lacking in your faith, and you want to repent for trusting man and the works of man's hands rather than God, please say this prayer with me to recommit to your Lord, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So repeat after me. Dear God, I know that I'm a sinner and I ask for your forgiveness. Forgive me for not trusting you. Forgive me for losing sight of you. I believe that Jesus Christ is your son. I believe that he died for my sin and that he was raised from the dead, ascended into heaven and is alive today. I choose to follow, obey and accept your son Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior from this day forward. Guide my life and help me to do your will. I pray this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Well, beloved, I pray that this message blessed you as it has blessed me. Until next time.